Hi everyone, welcome to the episode 4 of the We Love Tech podcast. I'm your host Dixon and I have my fellow co-host Amir here. This week we're going to talk about all things Google Pixel 4, Google Pixel uh, Pixel Book Go, because there was a Google event this week and there's a lot to cover. Before we start, I want to give a quick shout out to my friend Peter Pan. Um, he seriously upgraded our hardware this week, this week with a Blue Yeti mic. So I hope you guys uh, noticed a huge upgrade in audio quality. Yeah, and as always, we are open to feedback. If you have any feedback about the recording, the audio, anything like that, just let us know. Our email is welovetechpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, Dixon, take it away. Let's get started. All right. So like I said, there was a lot to cover this week. Um, the first thing they covered in the event was uh, Google Stadia. So have you heard about Google Stadia? Do you know anything about it? I have, but I'll admit I'm not a big gamer. So this is your chance to teach me about it. <laughs> All right. So Google Stadia. Essentially, um, Google Stadia is Google's vision for the next level of video gaming. So current gaming systems they need a, a disc or some kind of download before and a console you have to spend like three or four hundred dollars buy a dedicated console or a really expensive PC in order to play these high-end games and Google's dream is essentially to stream video games like you would a YouTube video or any kind of like the podcast for example so from any laptop or phone that supports streaming not only can you stream videos like YouTube it would be very similar with video games it's a pretty grand ambition and they announced basically that it's coming in November um, so how it works is that you would buy a there's a $169 pre-order it includes a Chromecast Ultra, their Stadia controller, and as well as a you get access to Destiny 2. Um, and then, after you pay that, that's not it. You have to pay a $11.99 Canadian dollars subscription. On top of that, you have to buy games in addition. So it's not like something like Netflix where you pay $11.99 and you get an all you can access every movie, every show. You have to buy game. You have to pay to get in. Then you have to pay for games on top of that. Now, I think that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on top of... I already pay enough subscriptions, in my opinion, so I don't game that regularly. So if you want me to fork out eleven ninety nine just to access the streaming service and then pay on top, I don't know. I don't think that's for me, but yeah, and you're not a gamer. Yeah, either. I'm not a gamer, but I can't imagine paying that much just to you know like a monthly fee to play games but everything is headed in that direction everything is headed in the subscription payment sort of uh, model like you've got Netflix that pretty much started it all you got Amazon Prime in Canada we have Crave um, if I want to watch like for example all soccer games from all different leagues I have to like I have to get four or five different subscriptions there's like yeah. one soccer there's the zone there's TSN Sportsnet like yeah, it's getting a bit out of hand, but thankfully I'm not a gamer, so this is not one that I'll be signing up for. So it's hard to... What I would say is I don't really recommend people, if you're huge gamers, it's very, very early. There are a lot of publishers who are really jumping on this idea, though, but it's one of those things like you have to really wait for the gaming library to develop, not to mention a lot of, like, it sounds really ambitious, so there's still a lot of little kinks they need to iron out. For example... You can't do this unless you need a really low latency internet um, in order for for this game to operate smoothly. Um, and also at, at launch, they aren't able to do this on phones just yet. Or if you want to use phones, you have to plug the controller into the phone. It's not fully wireless. So a lot of limitations. Um, but good for Google for pushing ahead with uh, the next generation of gaming. But we'll see. It'll, we have to see if this actually takes off. Yeah, let's talk about the Pixel Buds now. Mm -hmm. um, so for the first time, they're truly wireless because the previous Pixel Buds were um, not connected by wire to your phone, but they were connected by wire to each other, right? They also sucked. They so. also sucked, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So how is this different? Um, and we'll get to the price. Like That was ridiculous in my opinion. But how is it different than the, um, the previous set? So the Google Pixel Buds True Wireless, they look uh, pretty similar to the other truly wireless earbuds on the market. And at this point, there are thousands of them. 
Um, but what makes it is special is like the f it has some googly touches, meaning it has the uh, on-device translation, so you can wear them. And essentially, you have to have the phone in front of you. But if you have someone who speaks a different language, you have the Google Translate app open. It's able to the person can talk, and then it'll translate the audio to English in your ear or whatever language you speak. Now it sounds really, when it first came out for the Pixel Buds, the original ones, I thought it was like super cool idea. Yeah. But in reality, in practice, it, it didn't, didn't work, work at, it was not, <laughs> yeah, it was not the future I was hoping for, like those implants um, or like the, like the movie Her. Um, other than that, they have this, uh, they do, they're doing something special with the Wi-Fi. So it's able to either, you're able to have a really long distance Bluetooth connection if you're indoors, it's something like three rooms away. Or if you're outdoors, it can stay connected for as far as a football field. Which... I was excited about that yeah. because uh, so many times it's happened in my house. I have I use my Galaxy Buds with my S10, and I leave my S10 somewhere. I don't even know where it is half the time. Yeah. And I walk around, I'm doing something, and the music starts cutting out. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I wish it would just stay connected in the whole house. And this is the one thing that I really liked about the Pixel Buds, and it's promising. I just, I'm wondering at those extreme distances, like when you're at, you know, the third room over, how is the audio quality? Yeah. Like, is it actually like the same audio quality it would be as if you're closer? I know. It's it, it's pretty, it sounds like, I'm, I'm sure they have engineers working really hard on this stuff, but like Google doesn't have the best track record when it comes to... Uh, Bluetooth, our Pixel Books, like finally after how many years since it came out, finally got a Bluetooth bug fix. Yeah, well, don't get me started <laughs> yeah, the on Pixel that. Pixel phones had Bluetooth issues, so maybe I'm being optimistic. Um, but man, the price, like, is all these features are cool, but. Oh, it also doesn't have active noise canceling. So what yeah. it does, it has this little ambient mic, so essentially it just reduces the pressure of feeling. It has passive noise cancelling, which which means it, cre it cancels out outside noise with a seal. And then it relieves some of that pressure with, like, this little vent. And I'm interested in seeing how that, that works because uh, that'd be pretty neat. So it doesn't feel like you are kind of have something plugged up in your ear. I still think it won't be as good as uh, the active noise cancelling, of course. But mm -hmm. we'll see how it works. Mm -hmm. But So what was the price? Was it like 170 US? It's 170 USD, which is about 236 Canadian dollars. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit crazy because, like I said, there are thousands of earbuds now on the market. I I myself rock a pretty deep, like a cheap pair of Soundpeats. I've used... Um, it's the, from Amazon, right? Yeah, Amazon. <laughs> uh, they're like 25, 40 bucks. They, for, they do all the basic functions really well. Like all these, Google has obviously way more features, but I'm not enticed by it. What and, happened to your Jabras? Yeah, that's a funny story. I, uh, I had these uh, Jabra Elite um, Truly Wireless Earbuds. I love those things, they're so cool. And I uh, had them around after a workout and I dropped it in a parking lot. And by the time I realized I dropped it and went back, a car had already run over them. Oh no! So at that point, I realized like I'm not gonna spend like 200 bucks on a set of headphones that I could easily lose or break like that. So yeah, but, I mean, they're not. It's not paid advertising, but if you ever look up Soundpeats on uh, Amazon, they're like pretty much disposable territory. They're 40 bucks. You can, I toss them in my bag. If you lose them, just you can buy like four or five of those before you even buy one set of these expensive, truly wireless headbuds. I know it's a detour, but you use the Samsung buds, right? Yeah, I use the, the Galaxy buds. And like you, I don't see myself really ever paying that much for just earbuds. The only reason I have the Galaxy buds was because it came uh, included with my phone in a promo at the time when I got it through my carrier. So that's the only reason I have them, and I never thought I would really love them or enjoy them as much as I do. But and I do really enjoy, them. yeah, I do really enjoy using them. I do have a disposable pair from Amazon as well yeah. for working out. <laughs> yeah, because I don't use the Galaxy Buds for working. I'm out. all for truly wireless. Like I can't go back to anything with wires. Even the ones with the tethered in between the two is is actually feels really restrictive. But this Google Pixel Buds, like they're gonna really have to justify why they're charging this much because. 
Uh, in comparison, too, you can get there's a set of um, the Sony MX1000, uh, sorry, 1000X M3s. They're truly wireless from Sony's. Those have active noise cancellation, ridiculously good battery life, and at this point, I think they're the king on the market. And you only have to pay like twenty dollars more for those. Yeah. So, and you get the audio quality. Google Google has decent audio quality from their built-in wired buds that I've used, but they're not anywhere near Sony's, I think. Yeah, and I don't think they will be in terms of audio quality. But one thing that was interesting to me, Google has really developed a des- design language. Like when they showed the Pixel Buds, I was like, yeah, that's clearly made by Google. That's true. Yeah. And and it's kind of a design language that they've made with their phones, their uh, their laptops, the Panda. Well, yeah, that's what my wife calls it too. Um, yeah, so interesting. We'll see how it goes. Moving on. Do you, yeah, we can cover it once we talk about and talk about the design aesthetic. Yeah, you're, I think you're absolutely right. So now they have like an identity. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, so the next product, we got to move on because there's, yeah, like there's so too much, much stuff to cover here. <laughs> we barely scratched the surface. Pixelbook Go. Okay. Um, what is that? So uh, the Pixelbook Go is, in my opinion, Google's way of trying to get the Pixelbook in everybody's pockets or in everybody's backpacks, not, not pockets. Um, because the Pixelbook was great, but it was a tad bit on the expensive side. And to me, it seems like they've taken a bit of a hit in the premium department in order to try and sell more. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree. We both use Pixelbook. We love our Pixelbooks. Um, but I, I have a hard time recommending it. to. If you want to buy that thing in store, it's like almost $1,500 Canadian. Yeah. Like, you go go buy a Mac. Like, we got we got ours through... Uh, used. I got my, yeah, used. Yeah. And, but I love it, I, but I don't think it's a laptop for everyone. On the other hand, when you look at the pricing for the Pixelbook Go, it's a lot more affordable, and I think it's... I wouldn't say it... I still think it's a bit too expensive to be someone's secondary laptop, but it's a little bit more palpable because at the end of the day, as much as I love Chromebook OS, it's still not, it can't do everything that you can do on a Mac or a PC. Um, let's talk about the design a little bit because uh, Amir was pretty lucky. He was able to get his uh, get some hands-on time with the Pixelbook Go and the Pixel 4. So how did it feel like? So the Pixelbook Go, um, just looking at it from a bit of a distance, it looks less premium than the Pixelbook to me. The Mm -hmm. Pixelbook is like the epitome of premium in my opinion. It's it's really, really premium. We fell in love with the hardware like in store. Exactly, just look and feel wise. The Pixelbook Go, it doesn't look super premium. And when you start actually using it, touching the, um, the trackpad and stuff, Again, it doesn't quite feel as premium as the Pixelbook, especially the one thing that stood out to me was when I was uh, clicking on uh, clicking on the touchpad, it did feel like a very cheap $600 Acer or something. Dang. Like it had that springy sort of <laughs> action. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. very springy. Not doesn't... like what you feel with your, your MacBook Air or your Exactly. Your like your it didn't book. have that satisfying feedback mm. of when you press down on it. And I didn't like that at all uh, about it. Um, it looked very plasticky. The screen looked decent. Um, I didn't get a chance to fully like um, test out the screen, but from what I saw, it did look pretty decent. Um, and the keyboard felt very good. It felt very similar to the Pixelbook, um, which, yeah, in my opinion, is one of good. the best keyboards. I love, yeah, the especially now for people who uh, hate the MacBook keyboards because of their flatness and there's lack of travel. Um, at least I have the Pixelbook. I love it. I love the key typing on it. I can never. Ima- I came from a MacBook, so for people who are looking for, you know, a just a text document, basic uh, browsing laptop, and they don't want the typing experience on the MacBook, that actually might be a good option. Yeah. But, but the it's really disappointing that it feels plastic because on the when they were showing it. I actually thought it looked like a really nice laptop, especially the not pink version. It looked very premium. Yeah, I only saw the the black version. I uh, they didn't have the not pink version, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not. I can't really comment on that one. But the the black one did not look or feel premium to me, um, and that could just be because I'm comparing to the Pixelbook. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like a, a premium device. It right. felt like more of a 
a laptop you can throw around or kind of use with less care. So we always have to talk about price. So we're talking about being a little bit more affordable. I have the pricing options here for the Pixelbook Go. So for the base model, they start at 879, which gets you an Intel Core M3, and um, which is, uh, it's kind of like a little bit better than a mobile processor, it's not super quick. Uh, eight gigs of RAM and only 64 gigs of storage, which to me, in my opinion, for a laptop, it wasn't even it's, acceptable yeah. in like 20, 2007. So you can't really do much with that. Um, even with my, our Pixel, uh, Pixel books now have at least 128. 128 and yeah. yes, I, I know the idea is to have everything done in the cloud, but honestly speaking, you need hard drive storage. Like, yeah, it's just you so do. basic. Um, the other, if you want to step up to the mid-tier model, which I think is the model that if you are considering this laptop, it should be the one to get, is Intel Core i5. You get 8 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage. That starts at uh, 1140, uh, 1149. Yeah, and that is that is the model that I would get. I would not mess around with the, the lower tier one. 64 gigs is just not enough, and I think I need a bit more processing power than the M3, although Chrome OS doesn't really use that much power. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, at this price point, it's, yeah, it's cheaper because... If you want to go in the Mac side of things, um, which I feel like they're trying to tailor to the Mac crowd, because just the way it looks, the even the way the when you lift the lid, that little divot looks identical to a MacBook. Yeah. And even the speakers on the side, I feel like it's so. If you're in that case, you're if the MacBook Air, which is their baseline, the lowest end MacBook you can get currently, um, is starts at fourteen forty nine Canadian. So. I, I'm trying to figure out like who would this be good for because we I if you want a laptop for school even now I, you I use my Mac I haven't used my pixel book I haven't found it lacking for anything serious but I don't know would you recommend this for a student um I don't think I would because the the Pixelbook still and Chrome OS still has a bit of limitations. Like I think they would, if a student had one, they would still need access to a Mac or a PC yeah. to complete certain projects. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend as a, I I don't think I would. I would say stick with the Mac or PC because you get one laptop that does everything. If you're kind of in the market for a secondary laptop, something you could throw around just more so for web browsing, that sort of thing, I would probably say pick this up. But if it's gonna be your only laptop, I would say maybe still go for, a pay a little more and get, get a Mac or a PC. So actually, in my opinion, if you're deciding to get a Chromebook as a secondary laptop, there's a very similarly spec uh, Chromebook by Asus and it's the Asus Chromebook C425. And um, just to read out the specs on Amazon here, you can get a 14-inch uh, 1080p screen, which I believe is larger than the Pixelbook Go. Uh, still the same core in Intel Core M3 processor, 8 gig RAM. Yeah, 64 gigs of storage, which we said wasn't enough. Um, USB-C, it's built, the lid and the deck are built out of aluminum. In my eyes, it looks a little bit more premium. It looks better. Yeah, yeah it looks premium. It's a little bit heavier at 2.8 pounds because the other one, I think the Pixelbook Go is about 2.3, but at the, you save yourself 300 bucks. It's only $519, and it will do, honestly, Chrome OS will run super well on this, the same as the Pixelbook Go, and I don't think you're really sacrificing anything. So, it's, yeah, it's really hard to, their pricing, Google's pricing is, I think, our biggest sticking issue, and we'll cover that for sure for all of their products. Um, it's an interesting laptop. I want to play with it before I do a final judgment, but at this point, like, I have trouble, I don't know who, who would actually recommend this to. Yeah, but um, let's be realistic for a sec. All their products go on sale routinely. Yes. Um, so if you just wait a month for Black Friday, I'm sure they'll knock at least 100 bucks off that. Then it becomes a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, but still, yeah, the Chromebook that Dixon was just looking up is probably a better value. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now on to the big events, uh, the Pixel 4. Okay, so a lot about... <laughs> Oh, this phone is completely leaked since like last year. 
We knew everything about it, but I think there were still a couple surprises that we didn't know. It's, I wouldn't even call them surprises, maybe like filling in the little gaps of knowledge that we didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go from the top. So um, the biggest thing before was Project Soli. It was the radar-based gesture, meaning that you can, you send, without touching the phone, you're allowed to control it because there's a radar chip that Google has put into the top frame of the phone. Um, Amir actually got to try it out in the store. Uh, how was it? Was it amazing, life-changing? You think it's going to be something you're going to use all the time? Oh, absolutely. I think every phone should have this thing that no one can figure out how to use. Um, no, but all jokes aside, so I did... <laughs> I did completely sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. I did get a chance to um, play around with um, the Pixel 4. And um, so I'll start off basic with the design for a second. Okay. So as soon as you pick up the phone, you are greeted by a massive forehead oh. and and it's massive it's the same size if not bigger than the pixel 3 at least in my eyes mm. um the well not even with the notch no like with so i, I didn't oh compare, you mean the pixel 3 yeah, yeah base. the pixel okay, 3 okay, base okay. like it's it's about the same size like i would say it's at least one centimeter i didn't measure it up but Ooh. it does look at least one centimeter thick um and the the bezel at the bottom I would compare to maybe like an iPhone 11 instead of an iPhone 11 Pro. So it's a okay. bit on, on the thicker side, mm. maybe even thicker than an iPhone 11. So when um, you look at it, it doesn't look like a phone that's supposed to be in 2019? It does not. It mm. does not because of the forehead and the bezels. But I was very immediately impressed with the display. Oh. And I've I've used a few Pixel 4s now, very limited short time. But every time I picked them up, I was quite impressed by the display. Nice. And it's a giant leap from the Pixel 3. The which Pixel, was a huge was leap from not, the Pixel 2. Which was a huge leap from the Pixel 2, but right. the Pixel 3 did not have a good display. Um, this the one... DisplayMate gave it like... So on stage, they were saying that the DisplayMate, which rates the screens for phones, gave it like an A-plus rating, which is... Um, for Google, I think it's a huge improvement because yeah. it's, uh, it's always been an issue. Like, it, to be honest, I, I did not have any issues with the display. It looked very good. The uniformity only, is good. Uniformity was great. The color accuracy was great. Um, the one thing I don't know yet is could it get bright enough if you're outside hiking in the sun, will you be able to see your phone? Because that was a big issue with the Pixel 3. Mm. I could never see my, my phone screen yeah. on a sunny day. So that's the only thing I, ha I don't know yet because I didn't get to test it outside. Mm. But the display itself guys i'm serious it was a good display like i have no I concerns about it. it the 90 hertz um display was super obvious oh really super super obvious oh. the, the 90 hertz um i noticed it a lot in, um going back and forth in google apps okay or using the app drawer um going around like the android os like in settings that sort right. of thing it was very noticeable um, and it was very cool. Like oh, I've never awesome. had a 90 hertz display like on yeah. a day-to-day -day basis. Once you go 90 hertz, <laughs> man, you can't go back. Yeah, but it was very nice. Um, going, but it's dynamic, right? It like is we dynamic. Talked, we yeah. talked about it before, so it's not all the time. I, yeah, so I, w I mostly noticed the 90 hertz when I was going around in the settings and Android 10 uh, app drawer, like uh, stock Google apps is when I noticed it. And I think it was probably turning off in the third-party apps, but I'm not 100% sure. I, I couldn't tell for sure. Right. Um, but when I did notice it, it looked really good. Mm -hmm. um, going back to Project Sully that you said. Yeah, it um, must be game-breaking. Every like It has to justify why you had the big forehead, right? In my opinion, it doesn't because I was trying to use it. Um, I, so anytime an app is supported by uh, the radar sensors, you get a little bit of a glow at the top telling okay. you that you can use it in that app so in i was watching a youtube video um and i did see that glow on the top so i waved my hand and uh after a couple tries it skipped the ad for me sweet um and then i kept trying to wave it again because the glow was still there but nothing really was happening so i'm not really sure what it's meant to do is it meant to like skip 10 seconds every time you, you <laughs> wave your hand or oh. or whatever mm -hmm. um i did also test it with google play music and i was able to skip a song sweet but um one what what i don't know yet is 
how like if your phone's locked and you're playing music do you have to first wake up the display mm. and then wave your hand over it or does it just sense your hand because right. if you have to wake up the display anyway then it doesn't really give you any benefit yeah to... um so they were when they were on stage and doing the uh, they were talking about how they put in so much time and effort into calibrating it because for example if you have a coffee cup and you're trying to bring it over the screen that doesn't count as a gesture and they don't want to misinterpret that as a skip but uh, but you also said that or you saw a lot of people struggling to oh, use yeah. it. It was it was hilarious. I was just standing playing with the Pixel 4 and I see people just waving at the phone. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous looking thing and everyone kept getting frustrated. They waved once That's it didn't work, they waved again all. and people got frustrated. I don't know is it because the radar detector is not detecting their movements or do they just not know how to use it and they're yeah. using it, it with not in the right app for example or not trying to do the right action mm. so that again once we have the phone and we're using it as a daily driver we can try to figure out what that is right. uh, but it was just hilarious watching people waving at this phone oh, and gosh. getting frustrated it was it ha like literally everyone who walked by tried it and they were getting frustrated there is another benefit of project solely though right because what it does is um, they have it, it has a little radar trip. It projects essentially like this kind of bubble around the phone. So the moment you pick up the phone, you're able, it's able to detect that you're, prox you're near it. And then it starts firing all the sensors. So it can activate the second feature, another feature of the Google phone, which is the Pixel phone, which is Face ID. Now yeah. their benefit is saying that you can basically unlock the Face ID super fast, and this is probably the first iPhone, uh, the first not iPhone, the first Android phone that has what they claim a secure Face ID, secure enough for use for payments and stuff. Because I know the OnePlus had Face ID, but since it essentially just took a photo, it wasn't secure enough. Um, from the reviews online, from people using the phone, they say it's ridiculous, ridiculously fast to the point where you have to, The Verge, uh, Dieter Bone, they had to essentially have a function where to stop it from activating mm -hmm. just so that you can see the lock screen. Um, were you able to try that out at all? No, I wasn't. The phones wouldn't, uh, like I really wanted to, yeah. but I, I think they were in demo mode, so they mm. wouldn't let you register mm. Face ID, which is, I guess, well, appropriate. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, but that's one thing that I did want to check out, but yeah. I, I unfortunately couldn't. Um, now, what was, you mentioned that it's secure enough to use <laughs> for like payments and stuff, uh, but what's the big claim. problem? Yeah. Yeah. So it, a couple days out, we're recording this podcast, and now it's realized that Google has admitted themselves that you can unlock the phone even if you have your eyes closed. So the obvious scenario that jumped out to me and I think to most people is that if someone is robbing you and they steal your phone or even someone who wants to get into your phone while you're asleep, all they have to do is just pick up the phone, lay it over your sleeping face and then they'd get into all your banking apps, all your private secure info. So kind of, a, that's a pretty, like, were they not testing the phones when they were uh, doing this? Like, or they think it wasn't an obvious idea? That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> like, I remember when I had the iPhone 10, um, Apple fully told you that there is a mode you can use with that it would work with your eyes closed, but it's not as secure. Or sorry, not with your eyes closed, but when you're not paying attention to the phone. Uh, but it's not as secure, and I always turn that off because I wanted it to unlock only when I'm actually looking at the phone, which means I probably want it to unlock. So this is, this I think is ridiculous. What's the other thing that's ridiculous? That no app support this yet, right? Yeah, so uh, this is credit to... Uh learned about this from Daniel Bader uh, from Android Authority he was mentioning so Google wanting to push the next generation of um, authentication did not include like a fingerprint reader so this is also the first pixel without any kind of fingerprint authentication which is all fine if the face ID uh, was able to substitute for the fingerprint reader in all apps instances but it seems like in this case that the apps have the developers have to implement Face ID as a secure option before you can use that as an authentication method in an app. So, for example, if you use like a banking app like RBC, they're gonna if you get a Pixel Four, you cannot use your Face ID in substitution for a fingerprint reader. So you'll have to manually type in your password, which is or even if you use some other. Um, they have a handful of list of apps that actually support Face ID by the time the uh, phone comes out, but it's like five or six apps, which mm -hmm. is a deal breaker. Honestly, it's a deal breaker. Yeah. I use my fingerprint sensor on my phone 
I think at least 50 times a day, just like not, not even unlocking, getting into apps. I use LastPass as a password manager. So if I log into anything, I use my fingerprint. To not be able to have that, I think it would just be too frustrating to use the phone. I'm, I'm currently living that life <laughs> because as I'm sure you guys have heard, there was a huge security issue with um, Samsung's in-display fingerprint scanner such so, that wait yeah i know it's a detour but yeah can you tell us a little bit about that amir yeah so basically some smart person i don't know who found out that if you use a certain type of um a phone case for the samsung uh, protector. s10 yeah. protector that covers the front literally any fingerprint can unlock the device which is a huge security flaw in the design of the software. Of this. It has to be a silicone-based uh, f- uh, screen protector, apparently. But either way, Samsung's like, if you have a screen protector, you have to disable the fingerprint reader until we release an update. And then from there, we can we can fix this remedy, this issue. So you're actually living that life. I'm like, living that life, annoying, like getting right? back on track for a sec. I'm living that life where I now don't have a fingerprint to authenticate for any of my apps. So I'm literally stuck now entering all my passwords oh, in, my. for example, for my banking or uh, any of my other apps that use fingerprint authentication. And it's really like slows you down. It actually oh, it decreases your productivity when you only have like two minutes to do something in the day. So again, it's it's another example of Google just releasing something half-baked that has not really been super... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Polished. Uh, polished before release, which... Um, Again, their major competitor doesn't do that. I'm not going to name any names. Yeah, I think, and it speaks to like just their their Android problem in general. They, the app ecosystem, developers, Pixel. Unlike iPhone, you don't where if you release the iPhone 10 with Face ID, you know that developers know that there's going to be suddenly a huge population of people who are going to now have this Face ID authentication method that they have to develop that their apps they need to make their apps compliant for yeah who's gonna like pixel is getting decently popular i'd say but i think market share wise in the states for example it's like single digit percentage it's tiny yeah like in terms of android phones i would say like obviously samsung huawei lg they all sell probably more phones than pixel than google does with the pixel so who which developers are gonna go out and try to develops yeah. like you know support for the the um uh, face id that google has on the pixels um because it's in my uh, experience it's the only android phone that actually has a legit face id system right so it's developers may not necessarily yeah. want to invest all the time and energy and money into uh, google uh, like let's be let's be honest too android is already a afterthought for a lot of developers in terms of their app quality so to tell them that said google has restrict like a strict deadline for like january 2020 to have all your apps updated for face id um but what if they don't like what are the repercussions are they going to be kicked off the play store i don't think so i highly doubt it so and you know even google trying to regulate android updates has been going so well as well as we all know so i don't know it's it's it sounded cool. I thought in my mind when I heard about this, I was like, oh, yeah, my natural progression is like, oh, okay, so wherever you use a fingerprint reader, just use face unlock. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to be the case. So, but, but like all those problems aside, they all go away when you just open the camera on the Pixel and you take a photo. <laughs> the camera is so good. It's really, really good. Um, I really miss my Pixel 3 camera. It was literally the only camera I needed I didn't even touch my mirrorless camera when I had my pixel 3 the photos are just incredibly sharp great detail um, very good dynamic range it was just a really really good camera you could just trust it whenever you pulled it out to take a great to take a great photo Um, so videos weren't the same story but the photos were just incredible and I'm wondering if all the shortcomings of the pixel device are worth it for the camera mm. so let's let's backtrack and talk a little bit about the upgrades to the camera um and when they on interviews and the from the live stream so they actually didn't upgrade the sensor from the pixel 3 it's the same so sensor. same sensor but most and google had a pretty had an awesome uh, if you have guys have a chance and go to live stream 
there was um, a guy who gave the who talked about the camera is a professor on computational photography and he explains exactly how uh, Google does its imagery and it's it, basically they take nine unexposed uh, or low exposure frames and they take the data from the, those exposures to combine it into one image and he's like it's not mad science or something like that so in that, in a way it's it's jabbing at directly at the at Apple because Phil Schiller when he was doing the deep fusion um, yeah, event he was like oh yeah this this I'm so excited for this this uh, this deep fusion to come out because it's like mad science. Mm. It's it's like literally a job. It's hilarious. So he says, yeah, you take nine underexposed images and then you combine the data from them to make one. So his, their Google image, their idea is like to get better pictures doesn't, they don't need better hardware, which is what traditional photography does. They need more data or better data. So from that, they relied, a lot of this comes from something called the Pixel NeuroCore. And it's an additional chip in the Pixel uh, 4 that basically drives a lot of the upgrades within the phone. Not just photography, there's also a transcribing app, which we'll cover later. But yeah, so a lot of that photo upgrade isn't from the fact that you have a better sensor or a wider aperture, all those things that you know make for traditional better photography. The NeuroCore also allows you to um, now, when you do a brightness, when you adjust a photo, when you tap the photo, you're you're allowed to not just adjust the brightness, which you do on all on all phones. Now you can do shadows, which yeah. for me was like, whoa, that's awesome because that's one of the biggest problems I had with HDR Plus before. Certain some areas would be actually too shadowy, or yeah. I want to like to reduce the shadows, or sometimes I want to like increase the shadows. When I saw that, I was like, oh, man, I wish I had that for every single phone that I had. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I think that's just going to add an extra extra little element to the Pixel uh, did you try that camera in store? lineup. I did not. Yeah. Um, I, I should have. I yeah. did not. I, I didn't remember about that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's just going to add a little extra element if you're ever shooting into the sun uh, and you want to bring out the shadows a bit more. If you're shooting a subject in front of a bright background or anything mm-hmm. that would really help a lot mm-hmm. um, to get the right shot that you want so yeah. i am i am excited about that actually and then continuing along the uh at, at the computational photography so now they have a new night mode and it's for astrophotography so night mode last year was pretty awesome because it was they uh it was able to take basically uh, photos in dark areas make it look like really really dramatic and essentially look almost like you're taking a photo in daylight now they kind of stepped it up and now the pixel 4 is able to do something called astrophotography it does require a tripod but essentially you put the phone on a tripod in the starry night sky and you set an exposure for 15 seconds or so and it's able to take these pretty on on stage it looked pretty incredible these dramatic uh starry sky photos now yeah yeah. they they looked really good and i wish my pixel 3 had that when i was on a a trip to zion national park uh, a few months ago yeah Yeah. it would have been really just a couple months too early yeah but you do absolutely need a tripod right for that yes uh some sort of stand because uh when you're taking that many exposures like it needs to be as still as possible but I think it's if you want if you're intending to take those starry sky photos, I think the the process is pretty dramatic. Um, the nice thing about that mode is that they are talk. It's not confirmed 100%, but Google has said they are working on backporting that mode to down to the Pixel 3 yeah. and even the 3A. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're not gonna you're not gonna have as good a result because I think it still needs to some help from the neural core. Um, but still, it's nice to ha- know that your Pixel 3 is able to do that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's good to know. I'm, I'm glad that they're bringing it to the older devices. Okay, so now we have to talk about the big elephant in the room, the addition of the second camera mm. and the lack of a missing third camera. <sighs> what are your... Yeah, there's a sigh. Please tell yeah. me why you're sighing, Amir. I'm, I'm just disappointed. Um... I'm not sure why they chose to put a telephoto instead of a wide angle and I'm not sure why it had to be in like why did it have to be instead of something why couldn't they just throw in 
three lenses. Yeah. Like, I just really don't know. They're trying to compete with Samsung and Apple, who are both including three lenses now. Um, I really don't understand the reason for it. Was it just cost savings? Was it... Um, I don't know. I have no idea. So, on stage, that professor was saying, like, with telephoto, you're able to do two things. Now, shout out to the first episode where I mentioned about the fact that having my prediction was true. Having a second telephoto lens is able to give them more data to know how far dis how far objects are really are. So when you do portrait mode, it's going to be a lot more accurate with their blur. And the second thing is that by doing telephoto, you're actually able to get more data. Um, rather than a wide angle, which only gives you a bit more frame, but it doesn't give you more data about the, the photo. I, I can see that, but what if you need to take a photo and you can oh, only I, take I, it I'm with a wide I'm not disagreeing angle. with you because there are budget phones now that have three cameras. And these camera parts, like, it's it's not, they're not even that expensive, I think. Like, the fact that a, 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 a low-level, you know, mid-tier Chinese phone is able to add all three cameras, I think it's not an excuse to like not have a third camera. Yeah, and remember a while ago, like when I first got my S10, I sent you a picture of my backyard. And yeah. I said, I've been trying to take this picture for a long time, but even if I go as far back in the corner of my backyard as I can, I could never grab the whole view with just the standard wide angle yeah. uh, camera lens that I had on my previous phones. And when I got the S10, I was finally able to do that with the ultra wide angle. Uh, camera so it's just more useful totally. in certain scenarios and I, yeah. I, I, I was at a wedding this weekend for example and I had a my OnePlus 7 Pro with me and I was able to the fact that I had three cameras was awesome because when did I use to zoom I agree I was sitting in the back row of the ceremony I was able to zoom in right onto the bride and groom from the back and that was okay very useful for telephoto but when I used the wide was when I was at the dinner and there was um, the bride was doing a surprise dance photo, a uh, surprise dance for the groom with her bridal party. And the wide angle was the only one that was able to capture both the groom and the bridal party in one shot. Yeah. From where I was sitting, I'm not going to get back, stand up, go all the way back to the room just so I can include all the people in the frame. I just had to sit in my chair. You can't do that with the Pixel 4 because there's simply no wide angle. And didn't someone from Google say that the telephoto is more useful or people yeah, use it more? Like, he believes that people use the telephoto more. I, I honestly think that's a cop-out because... I, I agree. I don't if, think if that's true. If that were true. truly the yeah. case, then why does the iPhone 11 have a wide angle and not a telephoto? I know. It, I completely agree. And They were just trying to come up with a reason for why they didn't include it. Um, but it was totally the wrong call, in my opinion. So, what do you think? Next year, are they going to include a, a? They're going to just admit they're wrong and include a super wide angle, and uh, they're for sure going to include a wide angle in the next one. They Google always uh, makes poor decisions. People complain, then they try to fix it in the next generation. So, or you know, they can, for example, when they had the the Pixel One, they had the headphone jack, and they're like, oh yeah, we were, yeah. we're the first one to keep our <laughs> headphone jack, and then next year they're like. Yeah, we don't. No one needs a headphone jack, yeah. even though last year they were using it to their advantage. So it's kind of annoying. It's like, just, I, I feel like yes, you couldn't own on stage like yeah, we didn't include a wide angle, but everyone was wondering where is the wide angle yeah. or why they, is why why a wide angle why telephoto over wide angle? Yeah. Anyway, we're not gonna beat a dead horse. <laughs> I think we should just move on. They didn't include a wide angle, and that's that. Yeah. Um, and they had they had their reasons of which we don't understand. Right. Um, so now let's talk about pricing because that's one of those things where the pricing came out, and I think Amir has a lot of thoughts about this, and I think so. Me too. And uh, so yeah, let's talk about pricing. Um, let me. I yeah. think I, I already touched on this in one of the previous episodes, but the base model Google for uh, Google uh, Pixel Four costs more than an iPhone Eleven does, and my question was, in terms of a general population, someone who just wants a phone that works really well, who is ever going to pick a Pixel Four over an iPhone Eleven, especially when they have to pay more? That's my biggest question. Yeah, I honestly they. They Pixel, Pixel wants to have both best of both worlds. They want to 
they want to compete with the iPhone in terms of the status and they're they play in the same pricing tier. At the same time, they want to be like, I'm all googly, we don't need extra cameras and stuff like that. But it's hard to justify because you have the Pixel 4. It's build quality. I mean, okay, you you play with the phone. It's it feels it feels good, right? You told me. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, one of the units I could clearly see adhesive leaking through in the oh back gosh. and the side. Okay. So that what I didn't really like that. And it goes back to kind of the build issues with the Pixel 3. I've gone through three Pixel 3 devices. Um, MKBHD, in all his wisdom, always says uh, Pixel, 3, Pixel 3 had the best haptics of any Android device, and I completely disagree with that. I don't know if he was given a hand-chosen model or something by Google, but um, the Pixel 3's vibrate motor was so loud that if it was on a different floor in my house, on a soft surface, not a hard surface, and someone called me, I could hear the phone vibrating. Like, that seems it seems like a feature to me, no? Yeah, it's kind of like, it's, it's, kind of like its own ringtone. Um, and one of the three Pixel uh, 3 devices that I had didn't have that issue. The vibrate was actually just like an iPhone. It was super quiet and gave you a lot of feedback. But where is that kind of quality control to make sure every Pixel 3 device that's coming out is like that? The other two of the three that I had, again, had that super loud vibrate motor that you could hear from across the room. And it's just one of my pillars of build quality is vibration, uh, mm. both feedback mm -hmm. and noise. The phones generally that give you more feedback on vibration and have a very quiet vibrate motor have better build quality in my opinion. Right. And I think that was lacking. And the other thing that was lacking was the screen quality, the uniformity issue where the half the display on the top half has a different temperature than the bottom half. And that again, it was, come on Google, like, that's quality so, control. Okay, yeah, so the adhesive thing, definitely, it seems like, uh, maybe that's just one device, but the fact that they put on a demo unit is also kind of like, uh, not, yeah. a good, not a good idea. The f okay, we, you had, remember we picked up the iPhone 11, and it felt like when we picked it up, we are talking about how premium it is. Yeah. Did you get that same sensation with the Pixel 4? Yeah, it felt premium. Like, don't get me wrong, yeah. it felt premium. Um, just maybe... I don't know, just the, the forehead, the bezels. Yeah. Um, it felt premium, but it didn't feel up to date, if that right. makes any sense. The the parts, the thing that bothers me is that the prices you're charging and you're, you're starting is like your specs, like that kind of money, you should be getting top of the line specs for an Android phone. Yeah. And they are skimping out on specs. And they are like, for example, this Pixel 4, and X4 and 4XL, their starting price is only 64 gigs, yeah. which is like for a phone now, I'm using a OnePlus 7 Pro, I have like 128 or 256 is stand, like 128 is the base, okay? And you get eight gigs of RAM, which Pixel 4 only gets six gigs of RAM, and you're paying at least about, let's say over one, compared to the OnePlus 7T, over $300, and you get less RAM, less storage um yeah less cameras. <laughs> yeah less camera like it and i don't think that's that's a, like it's google there are a multi-billion dollar company they get access if not more access to off-the-shelf parts compared to every other compared to all the other manufacturers so ram isn't at this point it's such a commodity and same with storage it shouldn't like they're essentially it sounds like they're like nickel and diming like people like if you're gonna pay that much for the phone and i'm gonna be honest okay they can say like oh yeah well iphone does that they have high margins like they're doing like like the same pricing they they don't need that much ram in their phones the problem is android doesn't operate like ios you yeah. need the ram you need pixel 3 slowed down over time simply because of lack of ram they don't keep apps in storage you can't skimp out on the ram and on android like if you're gonna buy a nice phone you need to have the, the most ram like however i've used the oneplus 7 pro like having eight gigs of ram being able to like jump between um, all my apps and like not skip a beat it like actually helps my productivity i don't have to wait for like something to load up again yeah and day to day that all adds up i just think it's like this it's like it's kind of in your 
I, I feel like the pricing just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Google thinks they can sell the Pixel just because of the Googly features, and that's the third time we use the word Googly today. Yeah. Um, but I think in reality, Android phones do need to have the hardware to back them up. Yeah. I don't think it's not like iPhones. You can't just people don't just go and buy Pixel Four when their old phone dies. They go and buy iPhones when their old phone dies, right? Um, so they, I think they should have included top of the line specs. Um, maybe the lack of storage is probably to sell their new um, uh, cloud storage system. I don't know. Oh, another uh, slap in the yeah, face no is that more pixel, yeah, you uh, are photo no uploads. Yeah, for free. Oh, man. another another huge. So if you were a Pixel owner before, you know that Pixel Pixel users uh, get unlimited storage at the, for their photos at original quality and now Google has taken that away. Yeah, you so, can only get unlimited at high quality now, yeah. which is a step down from original quality. Yeah, so you're charging more for less features. Um, they're you're taking things away yeah. that you had before. Yeah, oh, mean, man. But they do have an amazing recorder app, though. Oh, well... <laughs> let, let's, let's talk about it. I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, I think it's worth talking about. So... Um, the NeuroCore is something that's uh, one more feature it does. Google managed to put in all of their natural language um, algorithms into the device offline. And what that allows them to do is that they have a new app that essentially lets you record and it's auto transcribing everything that's happening in the recording and saves a, you're able to save it as a text file and you're, as well as the recording separately. But the best part is, too, you can search for specific words within the recording, and it'll tell you exactly where in the time that happened. Like, for me, I wish I had this as a student. This would undergrad, have been a, right? Oh, this would have been, been a game, uh, yeah, the ga- game changer as well for, I think, journalists must have been so excited when they heard that. Um, it's all, devi- all done offline, so if you're recording, you're not uh, submitting all this recording up to the cloud, which I'm sure a lot of people will be worried about if they're doing, like, doing a sensitive recording. Um, that said, you're able to, a leak of the app has already come out on XDA developers. We'll include in the show notes. I've installed it on my OnePlus 7 Pro. The transcription and the recording feature works. Um, but at the same time, I'm not able to save the text file. So, uh, I'm hoping for the official device ones to co- the, sorry, the official app to leak out. And then I, that's one thing that's actually not even a Pixel 4 exclusive, it seems like. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited about that too, but yeah. I think they're probably going to release it to all Android, yeah. or at least as an uh, right. APK side load. Man, we covered a lot of material. It's uh, almost close to an hour. I think this might be our longest podcast to date. Yeah, it probably is. Um, guys, let us know what you think. We're always happy to hear feedback again. Our email is welovetechpodcast.gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. Um, and uh, we'll probably be uh, doing another episode next week. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we'd love to hear some ideas on what we should do as our topics as well. Um, We always have plenty to talk about, but uh, we're always open to new ideas. Thanks for listening again, guys, and we hope to see, uh, to hear, you know, hope for you guys to hear from us again next week. All right, take care. Take care.